When I talk to people, especially to 20 and 30-something-year-olds, the question that's most on their minds is, what should I do with my life? What career path should I take? Now, what most of them don't realize is that by asking that question, they're not just looking for career direction, but what they're really searching for is their calling. The American culture encourages us to look to our work for our sense of purpose and calling. Do you notice that when you meet someone for the first time, one of the first questions that you tend to ask them is what they do for a living? In some ways, work has become our identity and how we define ourselves. We've been told that finding our calling is the same as finding our dream job or doing what we love. But the Bible shows us that finding our calling is so much more than that. It's about being called to someone for something greater than ourselves. And today's text, we're going to see that it is God who calls us, who sets us apart, and sends us out. The story takes place in the church of Antioch. Stephen's death in Acts 11 marked the beginning of the persecution of the early church, which carried the Gospels to places beyond Jerusalem. And one of those places was Antioch. Now, Antioch was a massive city with nearly half a million people from diverse ethnic and cultural backgrounds. By the time the author Luke wrote the book of Acts, there were at least 18 different ethnic groups living in the city. And here in the city of Antioch, a great number of people were responding to the gospel message, and the church grew. Turn with me your Bibles if it's closed yet. Um, if you want to follow along, I'm going to read from Acts 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, here's an interesting fact. Why would the author Luke point out these five men who were the church leaders of Antioch at the time? Well, I think he wanted us to notice the unlikely group of people leading the church. Paul, you've got your zealous Pharisee who once persecuted Christ's followers, and now he was one of their leaders. Barnabas, he was a Jewish man from a small island called Cyprus off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. We've got Simeon called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, who are believed to have come from the coast of North Africa. And Menaean was a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, Herod, the great enemy of the church. But similar to Paul, Menaean finds Jesus and follows a completely different path than that of his friend Herod. And being Herod's friend could have meant that he either uh, was a childhood friend who grew up with him or he was his slave. But even as a slave, if you grew up in a household of a political figure like Herod, that led to higher social standing, political alliances, and favors. So based on these details, we see that the leadership team of the Antioch church was an unlikely group of Jews and Gentiles working together, which was unheard of at the time. They came from all different cities, different regions, different ethnicities, different social class, and had different experiences, and yet each one of these men were set apart and called by God. 
first, they were set apart and called to God as they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And secondly, they were set apart and called to lead and disciple the church of Antioch. Each man used their gifts to serve God and to make Christ known in their city. And though they were very different from each other, they were united in one purpose and mission, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. So the first point that I want to make here is that it is God who sets us apart. Just as it was God who set apart these five church leaders at Antioch, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been set apart by God. And that word set apart in Greek means to separate, mark off by a boundary or to a point. The moment that we gave our lives to Jesus, we have been marked off by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a separation and a distinction that takes place where we are no longer part of this world or the former way we lived our lives. But we have been given a new identity as God's chosen people. And not only are we chosen, but we are also called. Let's pick it up in verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now notice in verse 2 that it is the Holy Spirit who calls them. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This tells me that before we were called to anything, we are called to someone. When I was in seminary, I had to read a book titled Live Your Calling by Kevin Brenfleck. And in the book, the author breaks down life calling into two parts, primary calling and secondary calling. He points out that our primary calling is to be in a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Before we are called to do, we are called to be. Be in relationship with God. And it's from that place of being in communion with God that we find our secondary calling. And our secondary calling are the roles that we play and the vehicles and the platforms that we use to express our primary calling. So it could be a role of a father, a mother, a daughter, a son, a brother, a sister, where you get to express your faith in Jesus Christ. Secondary calling can also include vocation, but it is not limited to work alone. What this means is that regardless of whether you are employed or unemployed, whether you are living out your dream job or not, or attending your dream school or not, you can still live out God's calling. Now, doesn't that take the pressure off? Just knowing that it's not as important where you work or where you live or where you go to school. Seasons change, which means that roles can change, jobs can change, our geography can change. But as long as we are in fellowship with God, he can use us to fulfill his purpose and mission. Our gifts and our desires also play a role in our secondary calling. That means whatever talent or skill set that God has gifted you in, whatever desires that he's placed in your heart, those are all there to help you identify how you can serve God in your secondary calling. What I've discovered is that over the years, there is often joy associated with the call. 
It may not always mean that things will always be easy and smooth, but when you serve God in your calling, there's a sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy. You know, oftentimes people tend to overcomplicate their search for God's call on their life. We fall into the trap of this culture and think that we need to find the perfect job or be in the perfect place to live out our call. Do you want to know what your life calling is? What your purpose is here on this earth? Would you like to know? Well, I'm going to do you a favor and save you years and years of soul searching and just tell you what it is. Are you ready? All right. The answer is in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39. You are called to know and love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and you are called to love your neighbor as yourself. It is the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. This is our purpose. Before we are called to do anything or go anywhere, we are first called to someone, and that someone is Jesus. Our primary calling is to know and love God. And it's from that place of intimacy with God that we move in our secondary calling to love the people around us. We walk out our faith in our relationships with family, friends, coworkers, and the people we encounter daily. So you might be sitting there wondering, well, then does this mean that it doesn't matter at all where I am or where I work or where I go to school to fulfill God's calling? Yes and no. As long as you are in fellowship with God, he can use you in any setting. And for many of us, God might be calling you to remain faithful where you are maybe in your current job, to love the people that he's placed in front of you. It may not be your dream job or your dream school, but it could be the very place where God is molding you to be like him. Yet at the same time, there are moments when God will call you to a specific task or to a specific place, and he'll send you out just like he did with Barnabas and Saul. Now, these men did not hesitate, but they responded to God's call for mission. And the church was right there behind them. It says in verse 3, Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. This act of laying on of hands communicated blessing throughout the Old Testament. And it was a sign of ordination or transference of spiritual power for ministry. The church plays an important role in the send-off. Not only did Saul and Barnabas have to respond to the call of God, but the rest of the church also had to respond to their call and support them in their mission. This was important because if you read the next few chapters, you're going to see that Saul and Barnabas are going to get into a lot of trouble. They'll face beatings, floggings, all kinds of trial and persecution, and they needed the church for covering support, accountability, to remind them of their call when things got tough. Have you ever had moments when you've grown weary in your mission and you begin to lose sight of what you're doing, what you're doing? Yeah, I think most of us had had moments like that, right? When we were so tempted to just throw in the towel because it got so hard. I know there were moments for me when I wanted to give up, especially last year in the height of the pandemic. But in those moments, 
God often sends people to remind us of our call and to encourage us so that we can carry on with his mission. The fact that Saul and Barnabas were called together and that they were sent from the church tells me that there are no lone rangers in God's kingdom. Even Jesus surrounded himself with 12 men who could help him carry out his mission. We were never meant to figure out God's calling and mission on our own, but we were meant to do it together as a church united. When I think about my own journey of being set apart, called, and sent, it wasn't a smooth and easy road, but there were lots of questions, doubts, fears, and uncertainties that I had to overcome along the way. And each and every time, God used the church to confirm his call in my life. In 2014, I was in prayer one afternoon when I sensed the Holy Spirit prompting me to go to seminary. And my initial response was, you got to be kidding, right? I mean, that's where people called into vocational ministry go, like God didn't know that already. But as you can see from my response, I was completely surprised that he was calling me to ministry. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't come from a lineage of pastors, and I thought that that's what you needed at the time in order to be in ministry. I felt like I was an unlikely candidate to be chosen for ministry. And I didn't know that what I was hearing in that moment was really from God. And so being the faith-filled person that I was, I asked God for a sign. I said, give me three signs. <laughs> three signs, God, and I will obey and go to seminary. Well, God didn't waste any time. Within a month, he sent three people from my church who had absolutely no idea what happened during my prayer time come up to me and say, you need to go to seminary. And that was the end of that. <laughs> now, fast forward four years later, I had graduated seminary and had finished my year-long pastoral internship here at Stanwich Church and was sensing a different kind of call, this time to Stanwich in Stanford. Again, I had a lot of doubts, a lot of questions and fears about whether I could take on such a leadership role. At the deciding moment for me, was when I was sitting across from Pastor Nathan in the meeting room one summer afternoon. He had been recently elected as the new senior pastor of Stanwich Church, and we were having somewhat of an informal interview. I remember I gave Nathan a list of all these reasons why I wasn't qualified for the job, something you probably shouldn't be doing in a job interview, but yet I wanted Nathan to know my full story, which included pain, suffering, and lots of unresolved questions about my calling. But yet there was one point in the interview when he said, Gina, I'm just going to lay down all the cards on the table, and I want to say to you, I want you on my team. Those words landed so heavy on my heart. It was as if the Holy Spirit was speaking through Nathan and saying, I want you on my team. Do you know that with each and every one of you, God is saying, I want you on my team. God is calling you to himself, and he's also calling you to partner with him on this earth. He doesn't care what your credentials are, 
or what your past looks like, whether you think you're good enough, what skills you have or lack of. All he wants is you and your obedience. It is God and his job to anoint you for every good work that he has in store. So at this time, I'm going to invite the worship team back up, and they're going to get ready to lead us in a song. I invite you in this time to get into a posture of listening and receiving and ask the Holy Spirit if he might be calling you today. Now, for some of you, he might be calling you to himself to be in relationship with him, maybe for the first time. For a few of you, he might be calling you into vocational ministry like he did with me. And if that happens, feel free to come to any one of the pastors after the service and we can point you to some resources. For others of you, he may not be calling you into full-time ministry, but he might be calling you to serve in a particular area using your gifts. And for others of you, you may have responded to God's call a long time ago, but you have grown weary or become distracted and have forgotten your first love. Simply come and receive from Jesus today. At any point during the song, if you sense that the Holy Spirit is calling you, I ask that you stand up from your seat wherever you are, whether you are here in the sanctuary or joining us from home, as a response to his call. After the service, I encourage you then to share with somebody what God did for accountability and support. So in these next few moments, forget that there are people here. This is a moment between you and God. Let me say a quick prayer for us now, inviting the Holy Spirit as we transition into a time of worship and response. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that is here with us in this very moment. You have set us apart as your people, and you have called us into relationship and partnership with you so that all would come to know Jesus. We welcome you at this time to speak to our hearts. Open our ears to hear your voice and grant us the courage to respond to your call on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>